Welcome to Let Go Lean In, a podcast of resources for your journey of transformation. What kind of transformation? The wholehearted kind, personal, professional, and spiritual. Each week, you'll hear different transforming practices to help you on your journey of becoming more fully you. We'll hear from others about their own journeys, learning to let go of habits and patterns that no longer serve them, and how they're practicing leaning forward to the wise woman God has designed. I'll occasionally include a book recommendation because, well, that's part of how I'm wired. I love ideas and encouraging others to learn and grow. Thanks for being here. Well, welcome, dear listener, to a wonderful interview episode of Let Go Lean In podcast. I'm so excited that you're here, and I get to introduce you to Dr. Jill Richardson, because I'm excited to get to spend time with her. So, Jill, thank you for taking time to be a part of this today. I am very happy to be here. And I'm happy that you're here, too. And listener, you're going to be happy that she's here, too, because she's got wisdom and mirth and good words to offer. So let's hear who she is. Dr. Jill Richardson, pastors in suburban Chicago, as well as writing and speaking. Her passion is to work with the next generation to create a healthy church and to teach pastors. She has written or contributed to eight books, and her articles have appeared in leading national magazines and websites. Jill has three adult daughters and one unruly cat. She also enjoys traveling, gardening, volunteering with World Relief, breaking out in random musical numbers, emerging victorious in LOTR trivia, and a good cup of Earl Grey. Jill, this this is so good. We could talk about any one of those things for at least an hour, but we're going to try to stay to leadership as the focus of our conversation. Uh, my sons would love to be in an LOTR trivia conversation. Okay. <laughs> I did win the last one at the public library, though. They need to be warned. Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> they, they would give you a run for your money. I know oh, good. Good. that was, uh, we, we had many holidays where we watched the extended versions of the films, but they've also read all the books. So <laughs> every new year's Eve, we watch them and I'm very excited. Yes. It's coming up. Yes. Yes. I love that. Oh, well, we know what we'll be doing on new year's Eve, <laughs> our families. So speaking of, of long-standing things, I'm wondering to help us kind of dial into leadership. If you have an early story in your life that comes to mind about you seeing leadership in your own life. Well, you know, there was the time in, in third grade where the whole class voted me into the lead role of the class play. Uh -huh. Um, but that was because they knew I could memorize the lines, not because I was... <laughs> well, um, the whole class was aware. <laughs> appropriately, the role was a mouse, and that was kind of on brand for me, like throughout all of my school years. Um, but some something flipped at the end of eighth grade. I had to take part in a classroom debate. I was absolutely terrified. Mm. utterly terrified it did not speak in front of people no it doesn't no <laughs> um 
but I found out I was good at it. Mm. And I was good at strategy. I was good at arguing. I was good at speaking. And it's, it surprised me. And so I got to high school and I joined the debate team and I spent, you know, all those years just kind of honing those strengths. And yeah. I found out it was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. Um, but really more importantly, I had an awesome coach who was a woman who bore with my teenage flaws mm. and, and she saw what I could not see in myself. Mm. She saw so much and she was an incredible woman. Um, and I ended up, you know, doing state competitions in debate and I love public speaking. So who knew in that little mouse from third grade, but I, I just loved it. And that's when I knew, but there were still some things in that, that really, that really did haunt the years later because I was always still overshadowed by the male members of the debate team. Mm -hmm. And even though my, I had these leadership qualities that could have come out, they were, they were overshadowed. And mm -hmm. I had to learn that that was wrong, that mm -hmm. I really, I really did deserve uh, that kind of, to be seen like they were. Yeah. And that's what my, you know, my coach did, but not, it did not always translate to everybody else. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the hard thing about a prevailing mindset, a prevailing cultural mindset. And, and we're still, you know, bumping up against the limitations of that because, well, because I'm not sure why, but it still is a thing. And, right. and the fact that you recognized that that was an overshadowing not a less than was was I really think, important right because because you, if you would have seen yourself as well I'm not as good as that could have taken you in a complete different direction but the phrasing overshadowed by allowed you to yeah and I don't and I'm not sure I really did know that at the time mm -hmm. I just really he's so and and I realized later in years, no, I just was a woman. Was it as good as you better believe I'm gonna fight that yeah. and I'm gonna prove them wrong. Yeah. So so going to state competitions and then moving from high school into your your collegiate work and graduate work and things, how did that skill set translate as you moved forward because i imagine <laughs> doing what you do today it has been reinforced but our listeners might like to hear the continuation yes. of this story well i i came to christ late in high school so it was about mm. my senior year of high school so you know the concept of being a pastor was not on the radar obviously and I was going to go to law school because that's what a good debater does. Oh, yeah. I switched that out partway through because I really felt God calling me to make to make more of an impact immediately. And <clears throat> no, you know, no shade to lawyers, but I felt called more into education. So I switched my major to being a, an English teacher. Uh -huh. 
that is probably hugely influenced by my debate coach. That's what she was. Uh, And, you know, she was the greatest influence of my high school years. I didn't backtracking. I didn't really have a mother during those years because mm -hmm. mine was very, very sick. And she died a few weeks before my graduation. Oh, I'm Um, so sorry. So she stood in for a lot of that too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But... I knew I was being called into some sort of ministry along with that teaching. And obviously, you know, speaking logic strategy, that's, that's going to make you really helpful in high school teaching. Mm-hmm. So I went into that all the while with a mind on, okay, I'm going into ministry, but I don't know what that looks like. And eventually uh, when my husband was doing his, his residency in St. Paul, we both said, okay, it's your turn. Medical school is over. It's your turn. There was a seminary there in St. Paul. So I went and switched into ministry. And that's where I've been since then. It takes this, a lot of strategy to run a church too. I imagine anytime you're working with groups of people, strategy is a part of what is going on. And thinking yes. about, you know, the greater good, you know, the, the function right. of, of making sure there are enough uh, napkins for gathering people for a group study or whatever. I mean, yeah. there's a lot involved in that. And I guess from A to B, how to read a room. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Strategy is an essential, uh, I would say, leadership skill. But I love that you have mentioned the elements of investing that have happened in your life and then you as an English teacher you invested in your students lives and and this is something that I'm really continually curious about is how people pay attention to a value like that like investing and mm. you've chosen to talk with me and our listeners about two really kind of like twin values that have been identified a research driven identification mm-hmm. as leadership values which are honesty and transparency and and i just i see this idea of investing and honesty and transparency as as kind of you know they're all holding hands together and i just wonder when you chose those what um what bubbled up for you and why are they important yeah oh gosh it's so many especially in today's you know working in the church as i do in today's church climate transparency and honesty oh my goodness they're so so important and you know if I want the right to speak into any situation at all with my people, I, I have to be real with them. There's for a lot of reasons, you know, when I became the lead solo pastor of my church, like eight years ago, the first thing I told them from the pulpit was, I will always be completely honest with you. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to pretend what you see is what is real. Mm-hmm. And I really hope and pray you give me the same thing back. Uh, Call me out when you see something you don't like or you're concerned about. And you tell me the truth too, because this is what tears churches apart. People who just are hiding the truth and Mm -hmm. aren't transparent. And, you know, I really hope, and I realize there's a power differential there, but I really Mm -hmm. hope 
that they will do that for me. They will tell me, hey, I'm not sure about this. Hey, I wonder about this. And, you know, even if the adults won't, the teenagers will. They do. <laughs> so <laughs> that is a wonderful thing about them. Yes. Uh, you know, one, partly because I, I don't know any other way to be. I can't lie. I'm really bad at it. So thanks to your Enneagram type, by the way, <laughs> this is true. An Enneagram five is just like, hey, whatever. I'm going to say it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Being married to one, I 100 percent understand if an outfit doesn't look good on me, I'm going to hear it. <laughs> so... We will tell the truth. Yes. And later on, we'll be like, oh, that was something I should not have said. <laughs> oh, didn't realize that. Yeah, but see, the thing about modeling honesty and transparency consistently is that you're creating a culture as you're doing that. And so, yes, the, the younger people are going to respond to it because they've had less formation. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be, that's where they're at. They're trying to figure out who I am as an individual and here this person is saying honesty and transparency. Okay. I'm going to say, Hey, this doesn't feel honest. Or, right. you know, when you said right. that, do you have space to hear my honesty? That's the other, right. It's the give yes. and take. What do yes. you suppose keeps leaders from being honest and transparent? I mean, I have some ideas, but I would love to hear yours. Oh man. It's, I mean, I know for me, you know, again, as a five, I'm very private and I'm very afraid of, you know, the core fear of a five is not being seen as competent. Right. So I'm terrified of saying something out loud that doesn't make me look good. Mm. You know, we were, <laughs> we were talking this Sunday about I'm doing a series, talk about something that's terrifying. I'm doing a series about sexuality and the image of God. And uh, I said out loud in church, oh, I had a lot of boyfriends in high school. <laughs> and what I meant to say was, I had a lot of friends who were boys. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, sometimes we say things yeah. that are terrifying. Um, and the teenagers <laughs> thought that was hysterical. But yeah. So that's part of it. We don't want to feel, we won't, don't want to look incompetent. We don't want to let our stories out. Uh, you know, the first time I spoke at my Christian fellowship in college, it, it was an extremely liberal college. It was not Christian. So we had a, a Christian fellowship. Uh, the vice president of the group pulled me aside afterward and he kind of low key rebuked me. And he said, you know, you shouldn't share your struggles with people like that, because the Christian life is about victory. And a leader always displays victory to people and shows how strong he is so people can be encouraged. So if you say the hard stuff, people aren't encouraged. Mm. And I just listened to that and I was like, no, yeah. no, that's wrong. Mm. Transparency about struggles is so important and we are afraid of it. People are works in progress and and it's really important they know their pastor is too. Mm. We're not perfect. And you know, mm -hmm. I, I cannot stand in front of a group of people or sit around a table like we do in church and, and project this image of, hey, I've got the whole Christian thing down. Yeah. Because I don't, and they don't. And that's so discouraging and it's so shaming. And mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons 
leaders don't don't value transparency is that they are afraid people will see they're not they're not perfect they have struggles it's like wait a minute that's that's how you form community right that's not <laughs> that's not a thing to fear you know we're we're in community together and that means we sharpen one another and we bear one another's burdens and we encourage one another i don't look down from this high place and give them side eye like what is wrong with you people you know <laughs> cuz what is wrong with me there's a lot wrong with me right and right. it's okay that I they mean, know not that. right that there's a lot of wrong with you but there is but you know, for all of us you know i i'm amazed that people don't recognize leaders in any capacity, but especially within the church. The humility that Christ demonstrated. Yes. Where where do we miss that? And and how do we think we're supposed to, as leaders especially, be presenting this hard exterior that is fully formed and full of knowledge? And it's like, no, we're not we're, mm -hmm. as you said, works in progress. We're all in this together. I, I wonder as I get curious, which I know is not a, a, a limit to a seven, but I was like, huh, I wonder why it's so hard. Well, I'm going to think about something else. You know what? I, I hate to say it, but we are taught this. Mm -hmm. pastors are taught this in seminary oh, is that right oh we're taught don't don't be real with your congregation stand at a distance don't become friends don't let them into your lives because they will hurt you wow. and i get that because we get hurt and i've been hurt very badly by you know congregants i trusted yeah so that is part of what is drilled into us is that if you don't stand apart a little bit, you will be destroyed. Mm. But yeah. what we're missing in that is, is again, you know, life and community is, is with, and, and being hurt is not escapable. You know, <laughs> right. we're all going to get hurt. Maybe the hurt will be less likely if people know we're real and we're with them and we're like them. You know, I, I feel like with is such an important word in this whole transparency thing, because I can stand above or I can be with. But yeah. community happens in the with and truth happens in the with. And that's what God made us to be. You know, he said, it's not good for you to be alone. Right. Got to be with people. Yeah. And, to and the first people were transparent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, not and literally, they... but... Yeah, and they didn't have shame either. No. And and yeah. so this is this is the thing I think that's at the crux of it all, right? Is that that fear of being exposed, rejected, mm -hmm. you know, criticized, any any throw any adjective in there keeps a leader from risking the with. Yes. And and yet in your experience the with sounds like it outweighs the the wound not that you can compare them because that that's not really an equalizing conversation but it sounds like it's worth it it is i mean when you recognize that the wound is gonna happen 
it doesn't matter where you're standing, whether it's above or with, you're, you're going to get wounded. Yeah. It's part yeah. of being a pastor. And you do have to learn how to handle that. Yeah. But my gosh, I would rather be with people when that happens. And I would rather be able to honestly talk about it with them than be apart and, and everybody be wondering, okay, what happened? Because that's what happens in a church, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. standing around going, what happened? We don't know what happened. Nobody's talking about it, you know? Right, right. That's harmful. It is, it is harmful. And to keep emotions and and the formation in a way from being allowed to flourish is it, it causes toxicity in a community. And, oh gosh, and yeah. so, you know, the, the risk of the wound is, is worth it for the health of your right. organization, of the, of the community of the church. You know, it kind of reminds me of, of the idea that, well, not just the idea I, in the back of my head, I'm reminded of what Paul said to us in, you know, here I am looking to quote scripture to a pastor. Irony is not lost on me, but one of my favorite places that he talks about is the, the value of the fellowship of suffering with, you know, Christ's sufferings. And it's like, I, in deep sorrow and suffering, have experienced a closeness with Christ that without that wound, I would not have experienced. And so that's another truth that leaders can cling to. It's like, it's worth the risk because I'm not yes. going to be alone in that either. Right. And, and yet, you know, our, our self protecting gets in the way. And when, and when we're, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead, please. When we're transparent about that, there are so many walking wounded in our church yes. and they don't trust pastors no. because pastors have done a lot of the wounding for one thing. Yeah. They don't trust us. So how much better is it going to be in your church community? If you can share the fact that you're wounded and they're wounded and Hey, we can, we can get each other through this. Wouldn't it keep a lot of, a lot of the, you know, pain that's happened over, pastors who won't report abuse and cover it up mm -hmm. that's that's the opposite of transparency right i mean yeah. that is not the way we behave how yeah. do we get there well we get there from being afraid of losing our position losing our power losing our authority so suddenly we're doing things that we know are not right because we're not being transparent enough we're letting our fear of loss overcome our recognition of of what is right being honest with our people and and we're hurting them oh yeah yeah and and that kind of formation both from the individual but then into the community has negative lasting effects mm -hmm. and and i think you know we're seeing that uh corporately in the ways that um, many different congregations are are seeing people just leaving, not going yes. to another church, just leaving, just leaving, and and that's tragic on another level completely. And yet, going back to this honesty, 
we can have a reckoning and be honest about the places that we didn't see opportunity mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it might be. And in that honesty, then you have to, you know, continue to demonstrate in, in real time, which is what you're hanging on to within a congregation by being who you are, yeah. the real, the real deal. <laughs> And, and that's, that can be exhausting for a five, especially (laughs) who needs, you know, to withdraw and, and things like that. And yet at the same time, as you've learned to lead yourself, you've had experiences and you've alluded to them that, that have been teachers. And, and I'm just wondering, you know, as you've reflected on, on your leadership and, and, the ways that um, you've learned and grown. Is there a particular thing that you've learned through a, a, a hard time that would hmm. be an encouragement maybe to one of our listeners? Um, hard time and I guess more maybe regrets, not not about how I've spent my life, and this kind of goes back to the very first thing we were discussing, um, but around what I didn't know that I didn't know. Mm. Um, yeah. Because for most of my life, I followed the script of being in the background, being overshadowed, mm. we were saying, mm-hmm. um, raising my family, playing that supporting actor role. You know, I believed the people who said I, I wasn't really a leader uh, because leadership didn't support me. Mm-hmm. And they pushed that. And honestly, and and like I said, a five tells it like it is. <laughs> this is a reality. Most denominations, even mine, which is egalitarian, uh, are very happy to let women be the unpaid labor that runs everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, it's it's beneficial to let women not think they're leaders. Mm-hmm because then they will stay in the supporting roles. And when I felt called into a leadership role, I met with a lot of pushback that I didn't expect. Wow. Because I thought, you know, I've done this job for years and and decades and, you know, it's time, you know, God's calling me to be a lead pastor, which I never really thought God would. Mm. God and I had a long discussion on that. That's that's (laughs) perhaps a different question, but yeah, yeah. When I stepped up and said, okay, I'm applying to this church because I believe God is calling me to it, my superiors were like, um, no, you're not a leader. Mm-hmm. You need to stay in the supporting role where you are. Mm-hmm. And because the church was awesome and loved me and looked at the leadership and said, ah, no, 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 you're not going to treat her that way. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I won that fight. Um, But what I realized through that whole thing was actually has moved me into a leadership role that I didn't really anticipate and that I'm doing now that I love more than anything I've ever done. And I'm very excited about it, but that wouldn't have probably happened if all that pushback and all that, oh no, no, honey, you need to stay, you know, Mm -hmm. had not happened. And it was extremely painful, like the most painful thing that's ever happened in my career. But this really great thing has come out of it. So I'm pretty excited about it. 
I love that. I I am sure that you're familiar with um, Stephen Pressfield's book, The Art of Work, and mm-hmm. where he he brings forth the idea of the resistance, and we develop our strength by meeting the resistance and you know persevering, and that that wounding that happens and that diminishment and all the things that you could have easily just bought into and said, well, maybe I didn't hear God, right. Right. Or whatever you saw that and others, which let's just be honest, those others were inspired to come alongside, you know, because that's people are not going to rise up and, and say things unless there's something that is inspiring them. And so we're going to say, God said, okay, people, it's time to speak up because <laughs> this is happening. So that so- conversation with God was so clear. I was like, no, I did not mistake, but you're right. It would have been easy to say, Oh, I guess I was wrong and back off. Yeah. And, and millions of women have done it. Yes. Because, because yes. they didn't have the the strength of character. They didn't have that that coach in high school. They didn't have um the the community say, oh no, that's that is not gonna happen here, whatever it might be. And yes. yet we're holding that in our bodies and it's time Mm. for women to support one another and not be vying against one another. We are, we lead differently. Mm -hmm. We leave in a lead in a transformational way where we Mm -hmm. learn and then we help others learn and see their leadership so that they can step right. into what they're doing. And I love that's how you approach the next generation. And, yes. and so you alluded to oh. this new leadership that you didn't anticipate. What, if you don't mind unpacking that a little bit. It's, what, it's exactly what you're saying. Which oh. I realized through that experience, I didn't want to see this happen to other women. Mm, mm. I needed to safeguard that next generation. And so um, one of the things I've done the last couple of years with another friend in the church uh, was to form a group, a network that advocates for women in our denomination. And we're trying to affect policy change. Mm. We're trying to educate our leadership uh, around the ways, again, that we push women in the background. And we use their skills, that recognition without payment. And so we've got, you know, we've got a website, we've got resources of, okay, this is how women lead differently. This is why women should be leading. And so they're all there and we're working on courses that are going to get to our nominating committees and our leadership and say, this is how you stop overlooking women. This is how we're going to move women through the pipeline from hearing God's call to actually having a place. Mm. I don't want that happening. You know, that pain taught me what I didn't know. Yeah. And it made me a pretty fierce advocate for the women coming up behind me, you know? So my move into leadership into solo pastoring did not go as planned. Mm. It hurt, Mm -hmm. but it has made me a better advocate. And I'm so excited about doing this for women coming after me. I Um, love that. And you don't, as I also mentioned before, you know, 
you don't ever again tell me you're not leadership material because those are fighting words now. And anyone who knows me well knows it's a challenge to tell me I can't do something. Mm, let me show so, you. Let me show you. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing now. I'm leading this group and I'm loving it. So. Oh, that's so good. See, this is, and I shared this with you before we started this uh, recorded conversation, but I, I am passionate to help women in our season of life see how leadership is a part of who they are so that they can step forward in their remaining years and mm -hmm. do things like you're talking about you get to do in real time in their circle of influence because others need to see women lead and stand up and say oh yeah no this is this is vital this is important um you know, the political landscape that we live, the church, corporate church needs more female voices and, yes. and it's time. I, yes. I just, I just keep Cause saying. we're not going to stop the, we're not going to stop the abuse. We're not going to stop the abuse of power. Right. If we don't have everybody's voice, cause yeah. women have a different perspective. I mean, we're not some big conglomerate you can say, okay, this is our perspective, but it's it's different and we need to be heard. And and equal. And that's yes. the thing, you know, that uh, <laughs> one of the my favorite things about how Jesus led, he raised women up to Absolutely. be co equal, not yes, he did. Um, not extra side. <laughs> so well, Jill, I, I'm excited for all the things that you are doing because of the influence that you are continuing to invest in. Like you were invested in, you are now investing in others. And that's a true transformational leader because we get to learn and grow and get wounded and get back up and keep going, but hold our hand out and say, okay, there's there's a loose brick there. So just mind your footing and and bring yes. others on and encourage them and invest in them. So thank you so much for you know sharing just a snippet. And what I will also do for um the listeners is include all the ways to connect with you so that they can follow the blue-haired preacher lady. And what you all can't see is there's this beautiful oh, yeah, yeah. strand of blue that is is in Jill's hair. And, and that's one of the things that attracted me to you. I thought blue-haired preacher lady, I need to know more about this person years ago. And and it's been just yeah. a lot of fun to to get to know your thoughts through your socials so everybody you're gonna want to follow jill and um i just i love this question that um barbara brown taylor who is an episcopal priest asks and and yet i wanted to kind of you know make it a little bit my own but her question is what's saving your life right now and and it's just you know for me it's like so fun and I'm just curious when you think about, you know, what keeps you motivated and keeps you moving forward. Is it your recalcitrant cat or <laughs> what what is something <laughs> that that keeps you motivated? 
my recalcitrant personality now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I think, I mean, it's a couple of things for it. The, the biggest thing for me is what we just talked about. It's those women behind me. Mm-hmm. My own three daughters, three of the smartest, most capable women I know who mm. are not afraid to call me out. Trust me. Uh, yeah. Um, but they're there pushing me on, encouraging me. And I want to leave a better opportunity for them. You know, the women considering a call into ministry who maybe feel defeated by it. It's yeah. incredibly hard to be a woman in ministry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they yeah. keep me going because I want to leave them a better space than I had. And because I look at them and I think, oh my goodness, you are so talented and you are so amazing. And you're just making me want to do this for you. Mm, yeah. More more practically day-to-day, I guess. I mean, when life is stressful, I either want to go travel somewhere or bake something. So nice. <laughs> give me a new place to visit or a new recipe for pie. And there we are. I'm ready wow. to explore. I'm in my happy place, you know? So, yeah. Well, a big motivation, like leaving the world a better place for women in particular, if leadership that's a big motivator but those fun little things too Mm -hmm. are are the in-betweens that are like they say low-hanging fruit (laughs) and you need both honestly yeah because when you're totally stressed out by trying to change the system i'm gonna go bake a pie (laughs) (laughs) or or i'm gonna take a weekend trip somewhere you know yeah or i'm gonna plan a trip yeah exactly right right Well, Jill, thank you again. It's been a delight to get to spend this time with you. And I'm looking forward to future connections. I know you've got some things in the work. And, uh, you know, just we didn't talk about the Enneagram course. (laughs) We didn't. Yeah. And I want to say that really quickly for our listeners. Jill is writing and developing or has written and is ready to launch um, a course for the Enneagram for writers. And so you all know how much I love the Enneagram. And so I'm excited to, to take that course, being a budding writer myself, but also loving the Enneagram. So that'll be something fun to get to see come out into the world. So again, connect with Jill. You'll see all the ways in the show notes. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let Go Lean In podcast. I so appreciate you taking the time to listen and engage with the thoughts that come out of my head and into this microphone, as well as listening to conversations that I'm privileged to have with other amazing people who are doing great work in the world. I would really appreciate you sharing this episode or other episodes of Let Go Lean In podcast with people who you think would benefit from the information that is being shared here. Also, it's always a great help to others by liking and subscribing to the podcast so that the SEO goes up and Apple Podcast and where you listen to podcasts will show the podcast as interesting and available. So please help us out 
to get the word out by liking and subscribing and coming back next week. Thanks for being here.